Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. This show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters, classic FPS games, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. These are the players, the developers, the streamers, the influencers. It is the will of the drowned god, Cathala, that our communities band together in her cathedral to frag and give one another into oblivion for all eternity. We went to the store and we got more of what you asked for, folks. It's another chapter of In the Keep podcast. Yeah, motherload, as usual, duh. Alright, before I get into the actual episode stuff, I want to get on my soapbox for a bit and just kind of express myself because it's the only place that I really get to do that uh, without anyone telling me what the fuck I'm allowed to say. So, uh, two items on the docket list for the soapbox. First of all, uh, Quake Champions fans, I know you're out there possibly listening, maybe, I don't know. Whatever. I'm still going to say it. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll read it off. Sinker, the lead developer of Quake. Quake isn't the type of game that should require constant updates to keep players' interest. Players should first and foremost play Quake for its gameplay. Do updates bring something fresh and new to keep interest? Absolutely. But I think the current pace is fine and appropriate for our team. And a lot of people got upset by that. Uh, Smango, I'm calling you out, brother. You got upset by that. You read too much into it, in my opinion, all of you. Uh, I'm not I'm not really like that mean. I'm, I'm not talking down to you guys. I'm just poking fun at it because I think that people just like read a few words. This is definitely less than 144 characters, and they got upset, and... I don't really know why. When I read into this, it looks pretty pretty good to me. I kind of agree with like all of it. So yeah, Quake Quake isn't the type of game that should require constant updates to keep players interested. Players should first and foremost play Quake for its gameplay. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, Quake is about gameplay. Quake's about the physics. Quake's not about like what skins you got. And all that. Agreed. 100% with you guys. Anyone who's like upset that like, oh well... The game is, like, unplayable, and I can't really, I don't know, get the frames I want, or, you know, I'd I'd really like for my rail to not miss due to netcode error or whatever, and I get that. Yeah, he's not saying, he didn't say, we're done, no more updates. He's just saying, like, hey, maybe we slow down the pace, which they have. I don't know if you guys remember a few months ago, but it was like, PTS would come out, and then that PTS was like, next week, this is what you're getting. And then we'd just get that. Didn't really matter what we thought. And since we've seen this kind of shift in the past like month or two, and the the way that PTS and Quake, you know, live updates work, we've been seeing more, like, they push out a lot more PTS updates, and then they take fa- feedback, and then we get a, a live update later on. Maybe it'll be quarterly with the, the season pass or whatever that you know the i don't like the season pass personally i don't really give a shit about cosmetics but it is a revenue stream and the game is being given away for free so there's that yeah i I pretty much agree with that statement i think that it should be about the gameplay so hopefully the updates will reflect his statement and it'll be about improving the gameplay so that we don't have any more fucking issues with the game itself 
I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me too, man. Like I've barely even played Quake Champions other than casting. Like I get it. I I understand that we're all upset, but keep faith. You know, do updates bring fresh and new uh, content? Like that? Does that stuff keep you interested? Of of course it does. And he says that. Of course, absolutely. And they they want to do that. It's just not going to be like rolling out every fucking month. It'll be when it's ready, which I'd prefer. I think we'd all prefer for whatever content we get to be usable when we get it instead of just like, here's what you get. Good luck. See you next month. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. I hope you guys don't want to see that. I don't know. And the last thing he says is he thinks the current pace is fine and appropriate for our team, man. Man, we don't know what the hell is going on up there. They're working for fucking Bethesda. Like, I'm sure they're getting hosed down all the time. Just like make this game fucking profitable so that we can justify your existence. And I don't know what the hell goes on backstage. Who does? Only they do. I wrote an article of Quake fans months and months ago. And I was saying like, I think it was like right after the Christmas update, but and everybody trashed the Christmas update too, which I get because it kind of sucked, but whatever. And I was saying like, you know, we're out there, we're shitting on these, these developers and they worked literally, literally someone worked through Christmas. Like instead of being at home with their family every night and having a fucking big fat turkey dinner like we did, they were making sure that the game came out with the frames per second and the character skins that you wanted. And, you know, maybe it wasn't perfect, but shit. And I said, I said after that, a little human compassion maybe and human sympathy because the person on the other side of your keyboard, again, is a real person, even sync error is a real motherfucking person and they need you guys to be like supportive because they don't do this because of the big fat paycheck. They do this because they love this game. Who who's working on a quake game that doesn't love quake. Maybe they got handed the wrong engine. Maybe the corporate cards didn't fall in exactly their favor. They're doing the best they can. I, I don't, even if quake champions fucking fails and just ends up sucking completely and we don't ever get anything out of it um i commend these guys for working on this project because obviously it has been nothing but an uphill battle for them since the start so let's just keep faith please everybody put your hands up to Cathala. hugs and kisses all right i'm done with that topic uh next topic on the soapbox you know i'm going to talk about it i'm going to talk about sigil uh, i keep a i keep a keen eye on a, a few Really good uh, reviewers that I really enjoy. Um, you know, everybody likes G-Man Lives. Civvy, one-on-one, Civvy11, whatever you want to call him. I fucking love that dude. I I don't know him. It, if you guys heard me, like, touting him on the podcast before, it's not because I know him or, like, he paid me to support him or anything like that. He doesn't need me. I just really enjoy his content. But Civvy probably had, like the, I think, the most fair take on it. Also, I love Icarus, um, Mr. Icarus. Had a lot to say about it too, and the consensus was like uh, every all across the board. Like G Man says, it sucks. Icarus says, like, eh, it's frustrating. Civi says, like, it ain't perfect, but hell, like, it, what did you expect from Romero? And I and I kind of agree with that. I think what what did you expect from like a new episode of Doom from John Romero twenty five years after the fact? Like, John Romero is first of all amazing and we wouldn't even be here we wouldn't be this podcast wouldn't exist if he hadn't been born and done everything that he did he's amazing but john romero took the time out of his 
he's, you know, like, I don't know what he's doing, like driving around a Ferrari or a spaceship or whatever, just having a good old fucking time. He didn't have to do any of this shit. He could forget all about Doom and all of us and walk away and be rich for the rest of his life easily. But he didn't. He took time out of his schedule to uh, sit down and put together a new episode of Doom for us. And it's called Sigil, and it's, uh, it's very difficult. Let's put it that way. It is definitely difficult, man. If, you, if you're one of those people that's like used to just turning it on like the highest difficulty as soon as you play it. Yeah, I get that. Like You've played every Doom episode ever a bajillion times over, and you played it at the highest difficulty, and you cruise through it. Cool. Um, but this is new content, right? And with new content means you don't know what to expect, I guess. And so don't expect to just turn it on to the highest difficulty and be able to blow through it. Maybe just like have a good time. Even Civi had, he said himself, like, I got to turn it down a couple notches, like to get through the level comfortably because it is hard. What did you expect from John Romero? He's, he's the kind of guy who so passionately makes games. He makes the games specifically his whole mantra is I make games that I want to play. And he wants to play a game that is very, very challenging and frustrating, but also rewarding, and I think that's what we got with Sigil. Um, and also, if you haven't checked it out, the soundtrack, the Buckethead soundtrack, and the MIDI soundtrack too, Like it's, it's also great, but the Buckethead soundtrack, fucking fantastic. Like I would buy that if it was just Buckethead's new album. I wouldn't even think of twice about it. It was amazing. All right. It's enough of the soapbox. Let's get on to the episode. So this week's uh, this week's guest is Albert Adekalam. He is the. Um, this has nothing to do with like anything that I talked before. We're going to talk about Master Arena, guys. He's he's the weapons and uh, character modeler on Master Arena, and he's fucking awesome. I love. I've been I've been supporting Master Arena forever. I really enjoy the game. I've compared it many times to Unreal Tournament. I don't think that's really fair now that I've really like kind of deep dive in a little more. Played a little bit of Unreal Tournament. Thank you, Brondo, for introducing me to that. Um, it's definitely very unique. It's uh, it's not really like any other AFPS game exactly. It's it's unique, and it's fresh, and it's new. It's in alpha for free right now, so if you go on their website, you could totally just like get an alpha key for free, snag that bitch, and try it out. If you enjoy what we talk about, Albert is a European dude. I believe the Netherlands is where he calls home now. He's super fucking cool, man, and I enjoyed uh, talking to him. He got really open and like kind of kind of deep about you know his feelings and his passion for this because these are indie devs, man. They're not making any money at all, really. They're doing this straight out of the passion for the game, the passion that hopefully. People like us find some kind of joy in, in their creation, and I think that's uh, that's what makes this game great. I gotta talk about the music. I almost forgot. So the music that you're gonna hear, I usually uh, like kind of like throw some music in. This is a this is from the original soundtrack of Master Arena. Uh, it's by I'm gonna try to say it in French, La Grande Table, and it's uh, all like fucking sick ass drum and bass thank you jerem for sending it to me but i'm gonna i'm gonna mix it in there i might it's a little bit longer than the usual music you're uh you're accustomed to and in the key podcast but it's so good that i want to like play a track for you so hopefully you enjoy that and right after that we'll get into the keep with albert adekalon
Okay, well, hello everyone. I'm Albert Adeka. So I'm like 20 years, 28 years old. Mm. I've been working in Masterina for five years now, pretty much, on and off a little bit. Um, I um, <clears throat> we started the project back in 2014, and uh, I'm the guy that does the weapons and the characters in the game, and a little bit of the environment, but just. Just a little bit. I'm not the, the main guy for that. Um, yeah, so I, I've i been living in the Netherlands for a while now, and I participate in this project uh, in, uh, remotely because most of the team is in France. And yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> it's uh, called Master Arena. It's an Arena FPS that's uh, coming out soon on Steam. Yeah. Yeah, we'll hook people up with some uh, with some master arena like alpha keys. I'll probably like give them out or something like when this episode goes out as like a little incentive to, like come try it out. We've done a couple already. Like uh Jeremy was so cool about the giveaways I've never seen. Yeah. yeah, so I just like I try I try to like plug you guys in every episode because I I'm so like in love with this game. I have been for quite a while. I just want to see it a little bit more progress and I want to, I want more people to actually be playing it so that I have someone to play with and mm-hmm. it'll happen. So you, you know, yeah, you, so. mm-hmm. you do the, the characters and weapons, um, modeling for the game. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so, no, go ahead. You have a thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been doing them. So like now we have a pretty old, like uh, there's still a few old weapons and the character that's the extremely old. Can replace it very soon to fit more with the how the game looks. Because mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning we didn't have the really any art direction, and we went mostly in a more like cartoonish way. And but now we're more in a realistic uh, perspective to watch. Well, the game is well. already beautiful. Yeah. Like that's yeah yeah yeah. But that's that came um, much later. Like uh, on our Discord, we have. Um, some screenshots of uh, how the game looked before, and you can see it was definitely not the same as it is right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess the first thing I want to do is uh, tell you that I'm really angry at you guys for that April Fool's joke you played on me. Um, <laughs> that, that like, actually ruined my day. Like, actually did. Like I, I know it sounds kind of trivial, but I read that, and I didn't realize what day it was because I never know what day it is. <laughs> and I literally like walked downstairs. I like almost deleted your discord. I like told my wife about it. I was so angry. So for those listening, <laughs> what they did was they posted a, a Jeremy posted a, what was actually an update, but it said we're shutting down our PC gaming department. And we're going to focus more on Xbox and PlayStation switch. And I was like, fuck this man. <laughs> like arena first person <laughs> shooters should be played on a PC. Uh, <laughs> But I forgive you, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, I know where uh, that idea started because, like Jeremy, like we have a, a close Facebook group where mm-hmm. he updates uh, the development that he does on the programming side, mm-hmm. and uh, he posted just uh, a screenshot of like uh, four different views, but uh, on the same screen, and so he he asked us to guess what he was working on. And like, uh, what I guess was like, oh, this is going to be like split screen multiplayer with controllers on Master Arena. 
I'm like, well, you know, is it just uh, just joking? Because like, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, you can guess whatever, but if you don't know exactly, like, especially like on the programming side, you're never gonna guess really what he's doing. But in the end, it was just a, specta- a spectator mode for uh, you know when we do tournaments and like and matches so that everyone could see at least like two players on the screen. So, you know, it's a bit more dynamic instead of switching back and forth. But yeah, like a lot of people were also saying that this looks really weird, just looks like split screen. And then a few days after I just put it as April Fool. And and yeah, like a lot of people were really, really angry on the Discord. A lot of people left actually. And (laughs) we were a bit sad because... Well, the, first of all, there's not that much people that we can afford to lose, like uh, uh, like dozens of people because just of a joke. But it was still pretty funny. Yeah, in the end. <laughs> I really did take it literally. I I absolutely like had a a moment of like, well, I guess I I can't support Master Arena. I'm done. Like I, all this all this effort I've put into supporting this game. Fuck it, it's over. No, um, no, you guys are doing awesome work over there, man. I. I remember the first time that I actually played the game, and I I actually don't have any uh, real experience with Unreal Tournament. So to mm-hmm. me, this was like my my mindset was like comparing it to Quake um, more so. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's played Quake Champions in in Master Arena, you essentially every character um, moves like Doom Slayer, where you have the the boost jump, like you can kind of double jump around. As well as wall jumping, like in Warsaw, was that an inspiration to you guys, or just? Uh, I, not really. I think like uh, for Jeremy, like he played mostly Unreal Tournament mm-hmm. and also uh, Shoot Mania, which was like very, very different game at the time because you had like those modes. But the it was more about um, uh, capture the flag and everything uh, rather than deathmatch. Yeah. So I think for him, this was mostly like what he intended to do also like um, you know like the wall jumps that we have right now uh, they're already in unreal like but you can do just one actually and in our game like in our mind was was always about doing several and to move around the maps you know like uh, very fast mm-hmm. and in a, in a fun way you know it's like a bit like the, the bunny hopping in uh, in quake and uh, even like you know uh, you can see it in uh, counter strike for instance like bunny hopping was very fun for a lot of people I think if you could, uh, if we could make a game and you could fight around this kind of, uh, and have this kind of movement uh, that is really like, instead of like just uh, style points in Counter Strike, it's really like the, the main thing in our game for the movement. I think it, it could be really fun for the, for the players. No, I think it's cool. And, and what, what's kind of what sets you apart from other arena shooters in general. Like it's what makes Master Arena special is that. Yeah, it would have been easy for you guys to just say we're like, well, we'll just do strafe jumping. Like everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, mm-hmm. every game and, and their mother has strafe jumping. Or, but you've come up with a sort of like unique to your game uh, way of movement, and the the boost meter is a, another mm-hmm. fine touch. And also the lack of uh, there's no armor, it's just all health. So mm-hmm. you just have one one thing to keep track of. Now I think that's a great creative move, and it's definitely something that sets your game apart from other games, um, which is important mm-hmm. because if you were just a cl- another Quake clone, I wouldn't be sitting mm-hmm. here talking to you. I, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a, it's good to have this kind of difference in our game because, especially for arena shooters, like you know, like there's a, there's so many of them. It's and with the weapons, it's very 
hard to innovate and make something really different that feels natural to people and like fun. But the movement is one of the things that is, in my opinion, like it's very easy to play around and see really if it's fun or not. Because like if you're having fun just running around in the map by yourself, you know, if when you play with other people, then it should be even better. But yeah. Really, yeah. I think that a lot of uh, great arena shooter players, uh, Seaspool, he was a semi-pro Dusk player I've had on the show before. He said that he spends a lot of time just in the map by himself, uh, getting mm-hmm. his movement down. And then when he plays against other people, it's like he knows where to be, all that thing. That's it's a absolutely valid point. Do you, do you have like a, a list of games or what game I, I guess is, is the game that inspired you to kind of get into arena shooters at all? Like, or what, what games did you play right. as a kid? Uh, as a kid, like my first game ever was the Unreal, but not Unreal Tournament. It was like the very first one with really? the, the story mode and everything. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and you know, like to me, uh, yeah, I got it for free with the first computer I got, like my parents got. It was a uh, and you know, at first, you know, I didn't speak very good English at the time, and it was just you know trying pressing buttons the menu until I could play something and. At some point, I found the multiplayer, and I had a lot of fun then, even with the very slow internet we had. And to me, like this was the first time I really got into arena shooters. Then after, there was Unreal Tournament 2003 that I played a lot when I was uh, way younger. And this was also like extremely fun. I really liked the the new art direction they went into also. And you know, in my mind, uh, I always wanted to make video games when I was when I was uh, an adult, but yeah, like uh, to to me, like FPS shooters, be it like arena shooters or even like just uh, story-driven single-player shooters, were always a big part of my uh, video game culture. So, and yeah, so. I don't want to. I don't mean to cut you off. Did you that just playing those games? You started off on a PC, like you didn't have a console yeah. that you're playing on. That's no, I had the yeah. console, but well, that came after the PC, and yeah. you know, I never, never playing uh, shooters on the console, and those were my my favorite kind of games at the time. Yeah, and, I have the yeah, I mostly played on PC. Mm-hmm. Opposite story. Like I, I start, I didn't even really know about computers until probably two, three years ago. I, mm-hmm. Gaming on a PC was like something that really nerdy people did that I didn't talk to you because they scared me. <laughs> like uh, no. And no, that's that's really cool, man. Um, and then you went, you went into software as a result of being inspired by those games. Did you play around with software as a kid, or like programming or anything, or just? Yeah, uh, I, I started programming pretty soon, but just by myself because, well, like I said, when I was uh, younger, I didn't speak good English, mm-hmm. so I didn't have a lot of uh, resources to learn. So I was mostly playing around. Especially like uh, I so started doing 3D very young, but same, you know, like I only spoke French and Spanish when I was younger and uh, there were absolutely no resources the way there is today with the, all the YouTube videos and tutorials or just, you know, like for the programming, there's like a thousand websites that can help you get to what you're looking for. And even like Unreal itself, you know, like uh, when we started doing the game, uh, the Masterina game, we started it on the, there was no Unreal Engine 4, so we were doing it on the Unreal Engine 3. 
and the documentation and just community around it was like so poor that there was no way to, to really ask anyone for help or just, you know, like Google some stuff, how to do it. And now it, it, it was not even five years that, uh, since then. And now if you want to make a game, there's like a lot of resources for Unreal Engine 4, Unity, all those engines that it's very, very easy to get into now with the, with doing your own game than it was before. I, I like the Unity engine. Uh, I know a lot of people don't, but Dusk is probably one of my favorite games is on Unity engine. Mm-hmm. And Unreal 4, I mean, it's used for everything. I mean, every fucking mm-hmm. body and their mother uses that engine. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> something interesting about Master Arena it was the, the scaling is different. Uh, a lot of people that were coming from you know Unreal Tournament and trying out Master Arena were trying to get their settings right. And Jeremy mm-hmm. was explaining how everything's like four times the size. Yeah, exactly. Why is that? I don't really understand the uh, science. Uh, well, it came from, it was a bit of a, well, right now it's not exactly justified anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing we wanted to do at first was, you know, like uh, we wanted to make those huge robots, but um, that still evolve in like a human scaled uh, environment. So I don't know if you played like Hawken or Mac Warrior or those games. That nope. you like those big robots that you know you're like in the city and you see like the cars are like, very uh, small. I'm thinking of Godzilla, King of Monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that big, but, you know, still be <laughs> yeah. much bigger than a, than a, than a human, like a normal normal size human. And uh, that's also like uh, to give more of a speed and like power and you know like really like uh, to make you feel a bit more bad- badass but since then we we changed that direction now like uh, in most maps you can see that the environment looks pretty normal size but uh, it came at first it came it came from that yeah. but now it's not like that anymore but yeah it started from this idea initially so um and then you went to college uh, essentially our school for uh, graphic design or for gaming mm. modeling, 3D modeling? Well, not exactly. Like, okay. I just after high school, I started engineering and I really didn't like that because it was a bit too theoretical for me. Uh, I went to programming just after and it was more like a, um, industry focused, you know, it's like more like how to program uh, machines and this kind of stuff. And after that, I went to, yeah, like art school pretty much, and where it was an uh, interactive animation degree. Mm-hmm. So it's more about, yeah, like being a bit of a generalist in the gaming industry. Like you learn how to model, how to animate, how to program, how to do the lightings for the, the maps and environments and everything. So I went to that school, and once I finished, I, uh, I started the. Uh, looking to projects like Master Arena or getting to a, a studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's awesome. Uh, you really just went full in straight for your dream. And, and it took it took uh, going into engineering to realize you didn't like it. So I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been through multiple career paths myself until uh, I settled yeah. on my current one. But yeah, you got to have... I, th- I think that the way you're speaking... 
the the lack of creativity in in the engineering world didn't inspire you and you're doing something now that does and that's good mm-hmm. yeah you should be proud well, of yourself. I, I reckon there should there is some part of creativity in engineering you will never see that when you're studying you know what i mean like you're yeah. not gonna mean the, uh, you're not gonna um help on any projects really you're just gonna you know start studying like math physics and mechanic mechanics and you know and it's just about to read about the theory first before you get to to really put your hands in it and you know start working actually but this is what i i missed when i when when i was in it so do you do you think that having that basic you know math and physics background helps you in modeling now well it does help a lot because uh i've always been interested you know, for instance, machines mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like even uh, just guns and like like cars, planes and everything. So you learn a lot about how things work. And, you know, I'm not saying that Masterina is like uh, scientifically uh, plausible, like the robots there. I'm pretty sure that uh, there's a lot of uh, mistakes in the mechanical parts and everything. But, you know, it's also about making it look cool. Yeah. About, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, like physics also helps a lot because especially when you do materials in 3D, the way the materials react with the light, you, you have to, if you want to do it properly, you have to take into consideration, like, how the reflectance and everything works. So, yeah, I think, like, having a scientific background helps a lot, uh, when doing this kind of job. Yeah. It's definitely not necessary because a lot of people don't, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think that um, even if you don't actually apply math and science in your job, right? Um, mm-hmm. Having an understanding of the logic that goes into it, or, or just a for me, like I just finished a calculus class. I feel like when I finish doing my math for that day, my brain works differently. Like it stimulates a different part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're really good at math, you should be good at de- just determining logical uh, paths for you to go. It mm-hmm. may make you a better gamer or just a more thoughtful person in general. Uh, with arena shooters, uh, it's it's like a really fast chess match that also involves mm-hmm. aim and all these other things. Um, having having that part of your brain stimulated could only help you uh, in, in yeah, the creative process when you're mm-hmm. determining like how your robot is going to move. I'm doing the robot for the people who can't see. Um, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll definitely be able to utilize that knowledge. And how should this movement work? Even if it's not real world physics, if it's like, how, mm-hmm. how much should I arc over, uh, you know, in a, in my double jump or how, how should the rocket pro- uh, trajectory, you know, go arc mm-hmm. up and down or. How to bunch of grenades just right. Yeah. And this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in programming, it's even worse. It's like, you know, how, how big should the character models be? We already talked about that. Or how, yeah. you know, how should the sensitivity affect how much you move? The X, Y axis, it's all, you know, mm-hmm. it's all math, really. Mm-hmm. And then three-dimensional movement is even worse than uh, yeah. 2D movement. <laughs> yeah. How did you, uh, It's uh, Master Arena production started in 2013. It's now 2019. How, how did you get involved uh, in the beginning? Uh, well, one of my very good friends that I had from my studies in Paris, um, 
he's the one that makes the music. It's called Tom, and uh, he has. I love the music, by now. the way. Yeah. Yeah, the music is really, really good, and we have we we've always been good friends because we have a, kind of the same um, uh, music interests, like uh, drum and bass, and you know, like bass music in general. And uh, just after I finished, he he just he asked me to if I wanted to get um, <clears throat> involved in the in this game that was being made. And he said like, well, you know, like it's pretty cool because uh, in most projects I do, uh, I never have this um, this freedom, and that I can do uh, really what I like because like you know, like doing drum and bass for a game. It's pretty, it's pretty uncommon. And, uh, for, for an arena sure, I think it fits pretty well because it's like very fast paced and not, you know, it doesn't really take over the ambient sound. And, and this is what really inspired me to join the project is that I thought that, well, since it was a very small team at the beginning and a very young project, I could bring my own, uh, preferences and uh, my own creativity into it without being, being limited too much. This I, is what really uh, interested me in joining this project. Yeah, I think that um, the decision to use drum and bass, I, actually a, a few months ago, I saw you in in the uh, Discord server and someone called yeah. it someone called it techno and you were like, it's drum and bass, I'll ban you. <laughs> someone like, called, called it EDM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't angry. Um, let's call it that properly, you know, especially like, you know, if you think it's EDM and you think, oh shit, I like this. And then you go and Google EDM, you're not going to find the same stuff, you know, and it's going to be pretty disappointed in my opinion. So it's good that people know what it actually is. Yeah. If they enjoy it, then they can search for more like it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, it's actually in my mind, a very brave prospect to be the musician, to make the music for an arena first person shooter in particular, because most of the competitive people turn music off when they play, mm-hmm. right? So they don't, they may never hear it. Um, it's interesting. But in a way, you know, I think it's also a bit uh, easier to do the music because, mm-hmm. well, uh, first of all, you have all this freedom that you like, you can make the music in, in the you know way. But as you said, like uh, some people will turn it off. But you know, it's the same for me. I do the weapons. And there's people on the Discord asking for uh, an option to hide the weapons. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a bit of the same, you know. Like uh, you can uh, you can put your like, a lot of energy into something, and even if it's a uh, even if you really do it with all your heart or your soul, like there's some people that are gonna say, uh, you know, like doesn't give me that edge, you know, for the for the competition. I I personally I can understand that, but I don't think it's really too bad uh, for the music. I understand because some people want to listen to their own music or not have any music at all, so they can focus on the sounds of like other footsteps and where the shots are coming from. But yeah, like uh, visually, uh, I think some people can also be distracted by the weapons, but I think it's really, I don't think it's that bad. (laughs) I think it's great. I love the way the game looks and the the music Mm -hmm. really sets the vibe. You know, the music is what sets Mm -hmm. the setting, gets you in the mood, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And and the music is excellent, especially just the intro music, like the little guitar Mm-hmm. It, and all that uh it sounds great mm-hmm. and and what you said before and i think that's actually a valid point is that drum and bass as a as a genre lends itself to kind of blending into the background it's not distracting mm-hmm. uh, you know you can mm-hmm. listen to drum and bass while you're doing homework or when you're mm-hmm. running and it doesn't get your brain 
working on something yeah. else. It's just a, you know, a beat and yeah. a rhythm. Yeah. I think it, yeah. yeah. That's excellent, man. And so you got involved through, through your friend, uh, Thumb and yeah. Jeremy was uh, already heading up the product. Like this was his baby at that point. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. So what, what so was it like first, working with him? Go ahead. No, you well, talk. Well, at first it was, uh, it was not that easy because, uh, well, he had his own and he, well, it's not a bad thing, but he can be a bit stubborn. And for instance, at the beginning, at the very beginning of the project, he didn't want, uh, he just wanted like one weapon was the Instagin, mm-hmm. Instagin rifle and just one mode and, uh, maybe some team deathmatch and, and, uh, cut, Capture the flag. So uh, for me, like you know, I, I love making weapons in 3D for the games, and for me, it was quite hard to to hear. Oh, it's going to be only one weapon. So I, I pushed for a while to get more, and this is why now we have the uh, normal weapons mode. But I think uh, you know, it, it also opens the game to uh, so to more people because, like you know, not not everyone likes this game. I've I've never liked it. Uh, you know, I enjoy it, but it's not my favorite yeah. game mode. And yeah, while well, working with Jeremy, well, uh, he was stubborn on some things, but I, I can really, I can say that he also listened to what I had to say instead of just, uh, instead of just, uh, yeah, you know, like just saying, well, you know, like it's not your project, so <laughs> you don't have an opinion, just do what, uh, what I ask of you. But yeah, like he's a he's a really nice guy, you know, a project manager. But in the end, he became really like a very good friend to me. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot and play a lot. Not even like uh, arena games, just any kind of games. We still like even when, even right now, I'm not as involved as I used to be in the project because I have uh, well my own career going. We still talk, keep in touch. And yeah, like he's a, to me, he's a, he's a very good person. And yeah, I'm happy that we're friends today, you know. I, I like Jeremy. Uh, I've never actually spoken to him in voice because he claims that he doesn't speak English that well. And I didn't believe him um, until I did the QuakeFans.net uh, Q&A with him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized uh, he was responding to my questions. I, I sent him like a list of questions and just like respond to them in your own time. And mm-hmm. I realized that he had forgotten to run like half of it through Google Translate as he, as he was mm-hmm. doing. Um, and it, I mean, it was fine. I could do that pretty quickly. I just take it over to Google Translate and translate it back. And then I had to kind of, because mm-hmm. Google Translate is imperfect, uh, had to kind of yeah, figure yeah. out what, it, keep the spirit of what he was trying to say without distorting it too much. Mm-hmm. But he's always been super kind to me. And I, just to see anyone this passionate about their, this is his baby his project, his, mm-hmm. his dream, I guess, um, mm-hmm. he, to, to pursue it to the extent that he has is incredible. You were just saying earlier, like he's, he's kind of like leaving his real career behind for this game. Yeah. That's brave. Um, and yeah, admirable, extremely brave. Yeah. scary, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, he's a, well, yeah, you know, it's like, um, for most, uh, for a lot of French people, like, uh, they never really, uh, learn properly but it's not it's not their fault it's also like the the way english is is, is taught in, in france doesn't really help you well first of all it doesn't help you understand the importance of it that how important it is to learn english if you want to speak with 
people from all over the world, you know, I was like, you are from the US, but you know, I could speak English to to anyone and still get uh, understood and everything, have conversation. And, uh, in France, yeah, like a lot of people don't really learn English. So, and a lot of people mostly are not confident enough to speak, even if they, if they have, you know, like proper English, they, they will not be confident enough to, to, well, to talk to anyone. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to be born into English. Um, mm-hmm. it's just a roll, good roll of the dice there, but <laughs> I, I can relate when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Alabama, so I, you could probably still hear it. I'm sure most people do, but I had a, an atrocious accent as a kid. Like I just had a very, like I talk real Southern like this, you know, like I don't mm-hmm. say words correctly and people don't understand what I'm trying to say. And mm-hmm. I had a girl in like the seventh grade. Um, I won't say her name, but she made fun of me. She's like, you sound so <laughs> redneck. And I, I was just like, it, it took me aback. I was like, no. And yeah. and then later on in life, as I moved out to different parts of the country, I realized uh, I lived in California for a while and it'd be like, Hey, mm-hmm. how y'all doing? And they didn't know what the hell that meant. <laughs> like they were like, what do you, th- what did you say? I'm like, how are you doing today? That's not, mm-hmm. th- but that's not proper English. I had to kind of like learn how to ar- ar- articulate and yeah. uh, sound professional, all that, but it is important. And, and learning even for us English speakers, I think it's beneficial to try to learn other languages. Um, I studied, studied Arabic, for a long time. And that, that blew my mind. Um, cause in Arabic, like I, I studied Iraqi dialect, um, which is very different from, you know, the, the Levant or from, mm-hmm. you know, other areas around, they have sounds yeah. like that the, the, the don't exist in the rest of the mm-hmm. Arabic world uh, or even Egyptians like, with the zuz, the zzz sound instead of a yeah. TH sound. <laughs> yeah. It's all confusing, but I think it, it's beneficial to, to communicate with anyone mm-hmm. that you can, however you can. And, and to show mm-hmm. someone uh, that you're willing to like speak their language goes a long mm-hmm. way because Americans just walk around. Like if I went to Japan and just didn't speak any Japanese and try to talk English to me, I wouldn't blame anyone for just like ignoring me. Like this guy's an asshole. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or in France, like stupid American. <laughs> like, I don't want that. I don't want to give that vibe to people. Well, you know, it's getting better. Like, you know, like uh, now, I was very surprised because, like, uh, half the time I'm living in Luxembourg, mm-hmm. see that there, like, everyone spoke, like, perfect English. And, yeah, like, a few years back, it was only, like, well, Luxembourgish, French or German, and, like, not really, not that many people spoke English. And now, like, the younger people, everyone speaks, like, completely, like, perfect English, like, no accent or whatsoever, and... It's really good to see because, like, you know, it's like people are open to a bit more open to the world and they realize it's not only about where you live, but, you know, like, if you're going to make a career, I don't know, just travel, it's very useful to, to be able to speak more languages than the one you were born with. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, So I guess moving on now, we've already talked about movement and, like, the, the decisions to have jumping and wall jumping as opposed to strafe jumping and all that. So I'll skip past that part of my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, with the weapons, you, you mentioned how Jeremy originally intended for this to be like an insta-gib game, which would be unique. Mm-hmm. I know that there is like what, rat insta-gib or whatever it's called. There's some game with like you run around as little mice and it's only insta-gib mm-hmm. and that's it. I can't remember the yeah. name of it. Um, that would be interesting. And I know that he had some kind of grandiose plans for like 
CTF InstaGib and all that. Uh, that that's cool. But since then, you have designed a, a plethora of awesome weapons that I, I enjoy all of them. The sniper rifle is by far, uh, in my opinion, the cleanest weapon in Master Arena. In fact, I would say Master Arena InstaGib is the best InstaGib I've ever played. And I'm not a big InstaGib guy, but just the, mm-hmm. there's something so satisfying about that that sniper rifle that you made, man. Just like aiming that scope down and popping somewhat. <laughs> it's like it's it's so much better than the railgun and Quake Champions. Holy shit, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but what else? Uh, what other weapons are you are you proud of that you've designed? Um, I think one of the things that I'm proud of is like uh, that. Uh, I don't know if you played Borderlands, but for instance, in Borderlands, there's all those weapon, man- and this is the way I, I wanted to go a little bit, you know, in the way that you know, like for instance, there's ba- ballistic weapons, mm-hmm. energy weapons, explosive weapons, and for instance, I wanted like all the ballistic weapons to be based on, on uh, like kind of have the same style, you know, like the shotgun and the the sniper rifle. And and uh, I really like the shotgun and the sniper because uh, they are kind of based in like uh, weapons that already exist today, but mm-hmm. in a bit more like sci-fi improved way. Uh, and yeah, I, I really like the ballistic weapons in Masterina, especially the the shotgun. Uh, I really enjoy doing it, and uh, even like the sniper, the animations were pretty fun. Also, to, because the, the we had the, another sniper model before, but you didn't really feel like this impact, this you know the power of this bullet that you're firing uh, to at someone else. And and this one, I really wanted to for people to see it. And we had like this big weapon recoiling, and like I think it's like yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, like, and I really enjoy those weapons. All the weapons in Master Arena are actually 3D modeled; they're not sprites or anything. It's hard to tell these days. Mm, people are exactly. so good, yeah, with their art. Yeah. Yeah, they look a beautiful. Of, three, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um in regards to the weapons, uh but right before we did this uh interview, I got I got you to sit down and just play a match with me and you destroyed me seventeen to zero, as you should. If you weren't better than me <laughs> as the developer, as a developer on the game, then you, I mean I wouldn't know what to do with you. I'd be like, ah, this guy I don't know if I can trust him. But uh you, but the shotgun was like kind of your main weapon you're just blowing me away with that thing uh in mm. arena shooters or in shooters in general the shotgun is always such a a big deal a lot of reviewers are always going to talk about shotgun civvy 11 one of my favorite youtubers always mm-hmm. goes straight to the shotgun in a, in a game mm-hmm. and because it is a weapon that mo- most people have some uh some concept of in real life it needs to feel mm-hmm. right and the sound design needs to feel right the reload needs to mm-hmm. feel right and and it does in master arena i think you guys have captured that very well and the plasma gun too, like I come from like Quake Three background, like it's it's all <laughs> super satisfying. It's ten damage. It's not overpowered. It's just like you can pepper down a hallway, back out. I talked a bit. What are you guys calling the lightning gun? I forget. It's a flash rifle. The flash rifle. Yeah, strange name. It's with yeah, yeah, but it's Jamie's name. <laughs> yeah, the electro. In my mind, when I was looking at my bindings for the game before I'd really played it, I tried to set the electro bolt to my. Uh, Eki, mm-hmm. which is where I put my LG typically, mm-hmm. and and I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" <laughs> kind of blew me back. But they're both excellent weapons in their own right. I think that the uh, the tracking could be improved with the uh, the flash rifle. It's it's a bit different for me, uh, but maybe I just need to learn it. Uh, that's also uh, part. Which one do you mean? Is that the yellow one? Yeah. Which one? Sorry. Okay, so the the 
like this one yeah. there's the electro gun is the right. the one that's like a link gun kind of right in right the, with that... the continuous bolt kind of thing. okay so I think we're get, I think I just got confused here. The electro bolt, <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever the case, the the lightning mm-hmm. gun equivalent gun, right? The one that's like mm-hmm. the yeah, that mm-hmm. weapon to me, I, I feel like I can't track super well in the game. And how much damage does it do currently? I think it does like maybe seven, eight. Okay, uh, I don't know because there's been a patch a few days ago there with uh, which was supposed to balance some weapons. Mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, if this one was uh, was touching on. Yeah, I think but, no. Yeah, just, like this one is very hard to is very hard to balance because the idea behind it is that the more you you manage to keep on uh, your gun on someone, the more damage you will do. So it's very easy to know. Uh, it's very hard, sorry, to to know uh, at what at how much damage it starts and how much damage it ends when oh, you are like at the max charge. Interesting. I I didn't even know that was an aspect of the game. I have to look into yeah. it a bit more. I, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy mentioned that he was going for like a, a global design with the weapons. Like he didn't want any one weapon to be overpowered or to you. He didn't want anybody to just be able to walk through the game with a single weapon and be able to like mm-hmm. win. It's all about situational awareness and having mm-hmm. the right the right choice at the right time. And that's mm-hmm. brave because that's uh, a huge problem. Balancing in a game is extremely difficult, as you said. Um, it's, just, it's something we see every single freaking day in Quake when they, they release these updates and it's like, okay, so they knock the, the LG's knockback is different and it does less damage or the, you know, mm-hmm. like they change the speed on the rockets and that can really mess up your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. um the rockets are pretty awesome in Master Arena. The, the reload time feels a bit slow. I don't know if that is intentional mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's like, I'm used to, just firing off rockets like nobody's business. Playing dusk, it's super fast. <laughs> rivets, uh, but yeah. but again, like the game is unique, and that's what's important is you have something to sell to people that's not just another copy mm-hmm. of 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 Unreal Tournament or whatever it happens to be. And and you guys also have the spreadsheet that just kind of keeps people notified on what exactly what each difference is for each weapon. I thought that was a nice yeah. touch because that's. Mm-hmm. That's so difficult in a, in most other games. You don't get that kind of a thing. Like even in the patch notes, you just get like a, here's what we changed. Like, well, what was it before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, but I think this is very important in this kind of game. To have like real, really like this transparency that mm-hmm. people can, that people know how the guns are programmed, what they do, what they're supposed to do. And to see also to what, well, to realize by themselves that the game is like, well, first of all, being balanced, but that we are also trying our best to, like you said, to have uh, all kinds of gun, and that no, not one is more powerful than the other yeah. in in different situations. You know, it's like yeah. oh, that's a great choice. I think it's uh, it's going to be like I said, it's going to be part of what sets you apart from other mm-hmm. games. That's great. Mm-hmm. What other weapons are you like particularly proud of in the game? You talked about the shotgun. Uh, Besides the shotgun, the sniper, I think, uh, I don't know, like, uh, there's a, f- I, it's easy, easier for me to tell which ones I'm not happy. Okay, well, let's hear it. Yeah. Do that. Tell me, yeah. shit on it. Uh, the first one I really have to uh, remake is like the, the rocket launcher, because like the design is very, is very old. It's one of the first weapons we had in the game. And, uh, this one did not change at all since the beginning. It's like, this has been the model that I first, I first did, and as you can see, uh, 
Same with the grenade launcher, actually. You can see in the style that they have, like how they look, that they're very similar to like all the, how the robot we have in the game right now looks. And since we are going to a more uh, realistic art direction right now, I think it looks a bit out of place. So to me, those two are the first, uh, uh, the next weapons that I have to remake. I like the, uh, the color coding as well for the pickups. That's, that's also unique. It's not just like a picking up a a weapon based on what it looks like. It's a bit hard for me because I am colorblind, but I think most people are going to react well to that. Um, I would like to see for my own sake, like a bit of a, like you said, kind of redesign them to make them a little more uh, like, okay, when I see it standing across the map for me, I need to know what weapon I'm going to pick up Mm -hmm. is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Some are easier than others. Uh, the way also we've done uh, the game, I think it's very possible, for especially for colorblind people, you can even set your own colors to your weapons. Mm. And the thing is, like for now, I don't know if you've seen the menus, but there's quite a lot of uh, menus already, and we don't want to for it to be too much for people. But at some point, we're going to have also like um, some kind of uh, weapon customization tab that you can, yeah, like, change the color of the weapons of the pickups and also like the way your weapon looks but you know that's much further in the future and uh we you will not see this like next month or even in uh, in, in the next few months but this is the end goal and the end is that a lot of things that can be customizable and that people are not really like uh, don't have any handicaps like holding them back and Especially like yeah, you know, colorblind people for them is very, it's very hard to, because there's you know there's like different kind of colorblind people and even if you do like one mode, it's maybe it's not gonna fit for the other. And I think uh, I like what Overwatch did, for instance, that they have uh, colorblind modes, but yeah. for all all of them. And uh, this is very cool. But I think we can go even further because. Yeah, like if you can, if you're able to choose your own colors for the pickups, this is gonna even for like uh, uh, I'd say like uh, not colorblind people, even then can you know like uh, uh, use this function. Yeah, so it'd be cool even for them, I think. No, dude, you guys have considered everything. That's what's so really <laughs> refreshing about talking to you and Jeremy uh, is that. When I ask a question, it's like, oh, yeah, we thought about that. We're, we're like, that's okay. <laughs> it's not just like some kind of blind race to, to, to just throw a game together. You guys are really putting mm-hmm. in the effort to make it a good user experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that comes the, the mapping tools. When is that? Are there still plans for that to be released at any time in the near future? Or is that? Well, the, I think there is already the okay. um, level editor that we have. I don't okay. know if it's. The the problem is like this. It's a lot of work, and um, you know, like I said, uh, we we are doing this free, and uh, there's not much help you can get. And uh, even like the, this idea that Jeremy has with the the level editor in Master Arena is something that has not been made in Unreal Engine three at all by right. anyone. And there's like uh, thousands of games made with it, you know, in Years of War, Rocket League, all those games are made with Unreal Engine 3, and none of them did what he's doing right now. So he's kind of uh, doing his own thing. Like, like I said, it's like very stubborn, but in this case, it helps him a lot because 
uh, since the beginning, I was telling him like, you know, like this is a pretty crazy idea, you know, it's like, let's just release like uh, asset packs and the people download them and make the map in the Unreal editor instead of making them from the game. I said, no, 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 I'm going to do it properly so that people do it from the game. It's going to be much easier for everyone. And he, he actually did it. And there's a lot of work that still has to be done, but the, the basis is there. And I think um, it's just about, you know, like testing it. There's a lot of people making maps on it. Uh, you can see them on the Discord. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we need to. We need more people to test it, and also we need a lot more assets uh, for the map because right now we have pretty much just a, a couple teams of the, you know, like the um, 3D models to make maps. And I think having more vari- variety will help people and also inspire them more to use this tool and help us make it better because we won't be able to to do it. If they don't help us, uh, well, you know, like to find all the bugs and and everything, yeah. and make it look uh, work intuitively, and etc. <laughs> no, the mapping is such an important part of arena games in general, like uh, Doom and Quake, one, two, three, you name it. Uh, live, mm-hmm. um, the the ability for the community to feel like they're involved in the creation of their game is a huge aspect of this and and it's really what keeps the communities together like i can't imagine what you know quake would be like if people weren't allowed to just you know upload their maps uh it's an interesting part of uh, dusk is that they're they're using a trench broom like coming pretty soon people will be able to just take any map they've ever used in trench broom and put it in that game tweak it around a bit Mm -hmm. and then we might be playing like we may be playing DM six or something like that in in dusk, and I would like to see uh, Master Arena, you know, follow suit with that. It's awesome, man. Or mm-hmm. or even just like really cool, unique uh, maps. Like it, currently, the map palette is pretty decent, but I mean, Space Dock is probably the most complete one. Space Dock, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you let the community just open it up for the community to like make their own maps and upload them, you, you could end up with like a really awesome competitive map that or, or like CTF maps, like the symmetrical maps, like anything. It's yeah, yeah. It takes the load off your back, really. You guys don't have to do that. <laughs> Someone else is doing it for you for free. Yeah, I think like to come back with your point about involving the community. One one of the ideas we had with Jeremy is that um, you know we really like what people do with the level editor. So we realize that there's like a lot of limitations. For instance, the lighting is never going to be as good as a map made in the in the Unreal editor. And this is why we wanted to well, once we get the time to do it, is to have like some sort of contest, you know, every like the like two three months, and like the best map that is made with the editor. If there's enough people doing them, that we take this map and we do it. Uh, like the dev team themselves will remake this map. And make it look as good as possible, like with the, like a new environment, this kind of thing. And I think this could be this could be good because uh, I have like a very fond memory of when I used to be in the Half Life Two uh, modding community. That uh, some people like made those contests that you you made just one map for like Counter Strike or something, and the one that won will will get help to make it like look really really good with custom models and. And yeah, just you know, having your know that your map is like was remade, and you know, have all the like uh, 
recognition, you know, and I, I think it was pretty cool. Like I, I really like that uh, when when I was in that position, at least like competing to make the like, best map possible and everything. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, people get hired, right? Like just based on like yeah. their ability to make that. Like it happened in Doom. Like I think several people got hired to go work at ID just based on maps they submitted. You know, mm-hmm. wads that they created. I like, guess. Yeah, it's such a great mm-hmm. avenue for people to, you know, like I have no experience whatsoever in game design. And, but if I had that opportunity to like, just, Oh, I made a really cool map and people liked it. Like that makes us feel good. And it makes us want to support that game even more. Like It's great. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, full disclosure, you guys are kind of working with like zero budget. It's all, this is all a passion project from everyone involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we have a negative budget actually since the, since we started. <laughs> yeah, um, what's that like? You know, like really just pursuing that passion uh, with no reason to do it other than you love it. That must feel a uh, two-edged sh- sword to to say. Like, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's uh, it's very re- rewarding. Uh, that's the first aspect aspect of it, but also the second aspect that we didn't really realize. Is that well? Uh, when we started the project, like a lot of people didn't really have a lot going on in their lives. You know, we're we're re- relatively young and like getting out of school and this kind of stuff. So we we weren't really busy. But now you know, like the the game takes a long time to make, of course. But since then, a lot of people have their own career, and it's very hard to find some time to work as much as the game actually needs it. So this is why now like the dev cycle is like a bit slowed down. And for instance, we don't didn't really get any new maps or new environments or even new weapons in the last few months. But uh, yeah, you know, like we, we're still, we're still trying to find some time to work on it. And, like nobody actually left the team. It's just that we didn't, we don't really have as much time as we used to. And for a lot of people, it can be, it can send the wrong message because they think, oh, like they just stopped working on it. Like they're not motivated anymore. They don't, didn't really ever have the passion or anything. But it's not, it's not that. You know, it's just, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's life pretty much. That's yeah, uh, fine. They have a new girlfriend, like they get married. This guy got a new job, so like, he's doing the same same thing. Also, like then when he gets home, he doesn't want to do he doesn't want to do more of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is so, hard yeah. to uh, if your passion project or your thing that you're doing on the side is the same that you do at work. Like it's even worse, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly it. You know, like for for a lot of us, because it's, that's exactly the problem. Do, is there like a roadmap of any timeline at all as to like by this date we'll be going to beta or release time uh, there is one but the thing is like yeah like you said we have zero budget so if um in a way it's good because you know that the people that are in the project is because they're passionate about it mm-hmm. but in the in another aspect of it is that uh for instance if you pay someone to do a job then you have this kind of, not control, but you know, like you have, uh, uh, you expect results. Yeah. But 
if it's a passion project, you cannot really be mad about, oh, we didn't, you didn't do that. Uh, this is not ready on time. And yeah, like, since it's not our full-time job, we have a roadmap, of course, but it's, it's hard to stick to it because mm. we cannot, um, we cannot really say, oh, uh, you know, like we know for sure this or this feature is going to be ready by this time. Because, well, we just don't know. But we try our best to still, still do it. And at most, like at worst, it will be late, but it's never really like, uh, abandoned. You know what I mean? No, that's just part of life, man. I'm glad you guys are yeah. doing it anyway. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a gift. It's really, it's like a gift that you're all just working together to give to everyone else right now. So. Yeah, well, yeah. we were never really planning on becoming billionaires with this game, you know, like, especially at the time, there was no, really most of the people interested were, you know, like, not, it's like our age or older. It's not really like the new generation is not really interested in I think, this kind of games. I think there's a renaissance happening. I think we talked about that a bit before we went on the air, but there. There are a lot of young people. I see them all the time because I run like a community server and there's mm-hmm. a, there are plenty of young people who are looking for something that's not the mindless dumpster fire that of AAA games today, you know. <laughs> there's there's something yeah. about uh the genre of, you know, the classic FPSs, the build engine games, the you know, the Dooms, the Unreals, the Quakes, like there's something about yeah. those games. It's not like all about having the best graphics or like these crazy, you know, menus where you scroll for different abilities and all that kind of shit. It's just like, it's straightforward. It's, it's a mind game. It it has, you know, it stimulates your brain. It's not Mm -hmm. just like, it's not Fortnite where you play for five minutes, you get shot and then you wait 30 minutes to play again. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, I think there are a lot of young people who are frustrated by the current uh, games they're getting and they're looking for something like this. And, Mm -hmm. And I see them all the time, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that deter you, man. Like, and the fact of the matter is, if the game is good, people are going to come to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys have me in your corner. Like I'll be here. Every, at the end of every episode. I think I, I've said something about Master Arena. Like, go get an alpha key, test this game out, show these guys your support. And I'm not I getting paid for this either, it. man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. it's okay. That's fine. This is uh, what we respect about uh, you know, like we have, uh, we don't have. A- but the people we have, like, they're like very, like very precious to us in the way that a lot of them are like really involved, you know, to see people like you, you know, like, uh, trying to, 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 um, to let people know about the game or, you know, other people making maps, you know, and like, you know, it's a, it's really heartwarming, you know what I mean? It's like very, um, it's a, it makes us a little bit proud of it, you know, that we made this thing and that it's good enough for people to be disinvolved about it. And I have a lot of gratitude for, for people like you that are in our discord server. And just, it also helps a lot to, to keep going, you know, cause we could have also stopped the project several times, but we, the fact that a lot of people are counting on this game and just want to see it uh, succeed and have more people to play with is like, it's really makes us, it's like, very satisfying is make makes us really happy to see at least. 
the last uh, topic I wanted to talk about was like a competition. Um, mm-hmm. Thus far, we've seen mostly, you know, European, that's where you guys are based, uh, Instagib 1v1 mm-hmm. tournaments, um, which are really cool. I've enjoyed all of them that I've checked out. I, I personally, like, I, that's what I do is I run tournaments and I do this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to, like, I cast and all that stuff. If we could get something going in in North America, or if you, even if I just came in to cast uh, a European tournament, it wouldn't bother me because I'm not using the ping anyway. Uh, it would be really fun. Mm-hmm. And I'd really like to see that flourish because everything else we talked about, the mapping, blah, 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 all that kind of shit. Like if people, mm-hmm. the, the the competition is what brings people to these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what are the, I know there's a few different modes Jeremy mentioned to me. Uh, he wanted to have like the slow-mo 5v5 CTF. I think that'd be fun. Um, Or it's, it's like 5v5 CTF and then he has like flashbangs, portals, shields, like he wants to implement that kind of stuff, or smoke bombs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then we have Team Arena Duel uh, race maps. That's a big one that I really was interested mm-hmm. in seeing because especially with the uniqueness of the movement in this game, like seeing seeing the racing would be really mm-hmm. fun. And then Arena Royale, that kind of seems funny. What's what's the is that just a goof off thing? Like that's not something you're taking serious, or is like their real uh, potential? Oh, for you know, it's like I think it's a bit of a bit of both. You know, at first it was a bit of a joke, in, like <laughs> internal joke, especially when all the battle royals they started getting like very popular. But uh, I think like, but also I think it could be really fun, and uh, you know, it's like it's exactly like you said, also with the race maps. I think it's good also to provide those modes that are like. You can just get into it, like do a few games, spend like five, ten minutes, and then, uh, especially like the race maps, I think it's good because then you, like you, you train your movement, mm-hmm. you train to be better, but you're also competing even then, and you, you know you can see it, for instance, in games like Counter Strike or uh, or Quake that you have those maps, like like the Surf maps, the Bunny Hop maps, and, like people really enjoy those, and I think it's quite relaxing in a way, but also you. You also you also get better when you do it, and this is what's important. And like yeah, like the the arena rail, I think it's it's just like fun mode. I think, yeah. and it's not really. I don't think it's gonna be like really like in competition. It's more like about getting into like a, a huge fight with a lot of people and and you know having fun. It's not really. It's not something serious in a way that I don't imagine there's there's gonna be like teams like specialize in this, but I think for normal players, it's just, just a fun thing to do sometimes. What about like a clan arena? I don't know if that was mentioned, but it'd be interesting because you don't clan. The big selling point of clan arena, you know, other than just the crazy movement is that, you know, you don't have to worry about self damaging yourself. You get, you start off with all weapons and all everything. And then uh rocket jumping in quake is a huge thing. But for you guys, you have the unique, uh, jumping aspect of the game so you don't even you it would already lend itself to like the movement and all that i think that'd be really fun you know just like a two teams elimination time kind of mm-hmm. deal it'd be fun too man i don't really have anything else for you dude i i think i've you've answered all my questions and you've been really great like graceful and eloquent you've been generous with your time i don't really have anything mm-hmm. else so i want to dig out of you do, do you have anything with the Go ahead. Well, just first of all, like uh, I'd like to thank you for 
having me in your podcast. That's really good. I also want to thank you for all you do, like keeping uh, like the Discord server alive. And even like for all the others listening to it that played Mastery now or planning to play, like, well, if you, if you want to just give it a try, just give us, uh, just give, uh, send us a message on Discord. Um, there's, uh, Jeremy will be very happy to provide a key. There's also like a form on the website that you can fill and you also get a key. And it's not, it's not about, uh, you that or anything. It's just, you know, like how much, uh, how much people, play it and if people are involved and everything and you can you can play the game for free now like there's absolutely nothing you don't have to, to pay anything you can just fill the form on the website uh the game will be uh, uh released on steam though so for now like all those keys are just like testing keys but yeah like um <clears throat> Anyone is welcome to try the game and give us their feedback. We just want to improve it, make it the best we can for everyone. And yeah, really like feel free to, to message us on, on Discord. Like everyone loves talking to, to each other and us devs, we love seeing people happy with the game. Even the, the unhappy people, we're also happy to see them because they also help us improve and consider other perspectives on what works and what not in the game yeah man you've been you've been gracious with your time i know it was like a it was a real pain in the ass to track you down man but i'm glad i did it was great great talking to you (laughs) life happens brother it's cool right now now it's better i'm gonna be available a bit more so cool so feel free to message me if you if you need anything else for for the interview and like we'll do man podcast everything take care all right peace out Again, the original soundtrack that you've been hearing through the course of this podcast is by La Grande Table, or in English, The Grand Table. All that sick-ass drum and bass stuff. If you like electronic music, uh, absolutely go check out their webpage, which I'll post. And also, uh, check out my boy Greylark on Twitch, uh, Spoon Drift Radio, The Drift. That guy, I've talked about him before. He's amazing, and he knows all about that kind of stuff, and his stream is super fucking dope. I highly recommend it. More plugs. Let's see. I gotta pimp these Doom servers. So, The Keep has got its own TSPG Doom servers up. Uh, you can join us when we play on Doom Seeker. Space has been dropping some sick quads in there. Been playing a lot of Brutal Doom. Also, The Keep and USQC have teamed up. That's right. Messiah and Nationwide Moose in the Motherload. All in one place, all at one time, always hanging out. Actually, it's two places. We still have both Discords. Obviously, we, like, we put too much work into those things to try to mash them together or anything like that. But absolutely, like we're working together. We're going to get some events to you guys real... I don't want to say real soon, but in the near future, you're going to get quality, quality shit going on with the holy trifecta of us, as well as all the other apostles and all the other admins in the USQC. I don't want to undersell anybody. But it's going to be huge. Um, if you if you really enjoyed all that stuff about Master Arena, I highly recommend you go check out. There's a Quake Fans uh, article on QuakeFans.net. Hello, Smango. Uh, it's, a, it's a Q&A with the lead developer on Master Arena. His name's Jeremy Cope, and he uh, does not speak English very well. That's the reason why he didn't want to do the podcast. He sent Albert in his stead. Albert was uh, equally amazing. 
But if you do want to hear from the lead dev, you can read that Q&A article on Quake Fans. I'll, I'll link it into the, the show notes on YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can retweet our stuff. All the all the times we go live and on all the podcasts and I don't know, whatever else we put on there. You just reach out to me directly. I'll, I'll probably message you back. I got nothing else going on. You can join us on Discord. Be part of the community. The Keep, Baby, Frags, Gibbs, um, Friendship, whatever. <laughs> if you enjoy the show and you want to support it. Um, obviously, the best way to support is just to, you know, tell your friends, share, all that kind of stuff. But if you'd like to go the extra mile, and uh, you can uh, you can support in many different ways. It, you can go on our, our uh, PayPal tips page or whatever, just drop some max straight. Here's some cash, man. Like, that's cool. We do that on Twitch. It's awesome. Uh, you can become a patron on Patreon. Uh, right now, I believe... Ease five thousand is is our, our number one Patreon subscriber. So, kudos to him. He's been like, he's probably financing the whole podcast by this point. And I think the most interesting one is the Amazon affiliate link because it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's not like you're giving us money uh, directly. It's just like, hey, you're going to buy something on Amazon. Just go through this link, which is linked down here somewhere in the show notes, I'm sure, or on like hashtag property and uh, in the keep. But it's uh, it's just an affiliate link. So you just go on there, you make a purchase. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And a little bit of that goes, uh, a small percentage of it goes to the keep. And we use that for servers and for podcast production to pay the artists to make the awesome-ass artwork for this show, all that kind of stuff. Um, so consider doing that if you'd like to. I uh, just want to give a few shout-outs. Like, some of the kind of stuff people are buying on here is cracking me up. Like, Let's see, someone got a... Oh, a sweet gaming mouse mat, uh, glorious double XL extended gaming mouse mat. Yeah, sweet. Uh, some caged muscle, pure caffeine, organic capsules. I whatever keeps you awake, man. <laughs> I hope you. I hope you're wired when you listen to the show and you pop in those little capsules. Uh, we got some people are just buying like micro USBs, like anything. It doesn't matter what it is. A weighted blanket. If you have anxiety, I know weighted blankets are super comfy. We have one in the house right now that we very much enjoy. Uh, let's see. Someone bought some Himalayan salt wire. Ma- I don't even know what that is. Crystal allies, ga- whatever. Does it, point is, doesn't matter what you buy because a little bit of that kickback, whatever it may be, you know, comes to support the cause, and we appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who has made purchases through that link so far. Uh, let's see. You can also go back and check out all the previous episodes. You can like, subscribe, review, you know, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Stitcher, anything. doesn't matter. YouTube, obviously. And, you know, it's awesome. We really, we really appreciate any support that the show gets at all. Or just you listening. If you can't afford to give or you're just one of those wallflies that doesn't like to be like, Throwing stuff out there, we get that. Please enjoy the ride because, uh, like, that's all. That's what this is all about. It's about you having a good time and the whole community having a good time. If you like this, uh, you like this podcast, you can totally check out many other podcasts that are similar to this one, and there are more than you think. So I'll list a few off: Full Tech Podcast, QuakeFans.net, Home of In the Keep, and also KentuckyNerd.com. Full Tech Podcast is uh, ran by Smango, who runs those two websites, and it's just all about, you know, computer gaming, talks a lot about Quake, Arena FPS stuff, and it's just super helpful to anyone who's, like, new to PC gaming, like, just learn a shitload from him. Also, check him out on YouTube, QuakeFans.net, or, yeah, QuakeFans YouTube. 
Quakefans.net, whatever. You'll find him. If you just remember Quake fans, you'll fucking find the guy. He's everywhere. Uh, Quakecast, dump truck of the Quake mapping community and RC, who on YouTube does the Quake Grave series, which is really cool. Uh, and it's like he goes through a lot of like custom map packs and stuff like that. It's really interesting. And their podcast is fantastic. They've been having like just a f- heavy heavy stead of just amazing guests on there. One of them uh, was me <laughs> recently. And uh, you can hear me uh, get interviewed instead of doing the interviewing if you're interested in that. State of Quake podcast. They haven't done one in a while, but go back, check out the Jahar episode and the Plague and some of their earlier stuff. Really amazing interviews and just, uh, you know, sometimes it's just slipping unkind and maybe D-Ron popping in, breaking down uh, what's going on with Quake Champions. Literally, what is the state of Quake at this time? Really good stuff. And also, they put on all these fucking huge-ass cash prize events. You can hear me casting on them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Multiplayer Doom Federation Radio Network. Look them up on YouTube. They got events going on all the time in their Discord. Give them a shout-out. Tell them who sent you. Open Arena Competitive Events. These guys are kicking ass. If you don't know what Open Arena is, it's basically a better version of IO Quake 3 with a really awesome active community. When they got... Tournaments going on all the time, and projectile delag makes it so you could play again. You know, U.S. versus Europe happens every fucking day in their game. Man, Clan Arena, CTF. I think they did like a Capture Strike thing, or they were trying to recently. I don't, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds cool. It's like I think it's like a kind of kind of a sounds like Counter Strike to me. Whatever, hope it works out. And also, like I've casted many of the dual events. You can go back check those out on our YouTube. Let's see. Um, events coming up, obviously, Quake World is putting on the QH Land 2019 in Silkberg, Denmark, August 29th through September 3rd. You will hear a lot more about that on the next episode, cough, cough, totally cough, check out the next episode, and QuakeCon 2019, July 25th through the 29th, I'll be there uh, Violent Heart will be there, East 5000 will be there, X24 will be there, all the State of Quake guys, everybody in the world of Quake who, you know, like, A, matters, and B, can be there, will be there. <laughs> Come give us a hug. We'll, we love you. And when I say we, I don't mean like me, just everybody else. And give D-Ron a big fat hug. Let's see here. Um, Oh, Quake Angel of Attica. The Quake Cafe events, Mondays and Tuesdays, I believe they're doing like sacrifice stuff now, really cool. Quake Angel of Attica is like, she's amazing, I've co-casted with her several times on State of Quake, and she's so good at her job, man. Give, give her a shout out, tell her who sent you, we love her, all that good stuff. Quake Crew, on the other hand, no more sacrifice, no more sack Sundays, they're moved their focus towards Splitgate Arena, which is awesome, so... I don't know if you like Splitgate Arena and you're looking for people to play with. Go hit up, hit up Killer Duke, Killer Nukem, all those boys. Have a good time. Knock yourself dead. Uh, Sundays, Plague TV's Shub Cup. That's really cool. It's like an ongoing series tournament. Definitely, highly recommend that if you're into Quake Champions and you want to be competitive, give Plague TV a shout out. Give him a try. See what's going on. He's amazing. You're amazing. You guys will love each other. Giblets. Uh, th- okay, this is an interesting one. So they're uh, the New Zealand and Australian kind of AFPS community that I've you know got in touch with. Zim, what's up, boy? And you know they play a lot of Unreal Tournament '99, old school FPS. It's kind of like you know the, the keep of the world down under. And hell yeah, don't let the dingo eat your baby. I don't know. 
Have a good fucking time. But Giblets, home of the jib. Give them a shout out. I don't know, guys. If I if I sound like I'm a little less enthusiastic than usual, it's nothing personal. I uh, earlier today, I just ah uh, my Mrs. Motherload and I had to say goodbye to our kitty. His name was Ramses, and man, he was a he's an amazing amazing cat. Uh, if you got a loved one, a lo- a little buddy out there that makes you happy, go give him a hug for me. Take good care of him. Feed him the right stuff. Pet him every day. Brush their hair. Ah, I don't know. Just much love, guys. Life's too short. So you should have a beer, which I'm going to do right now. Peace, love, happiness, rockets, all that good shit. Stay in the keep. Later on. Later on.